Infatuation is a neurochemical response with a shelf life of about 12 to 18 months. But most of us go into marriage thinking primarily about what we're getting and expecting that we'll always be able to get that. Are you All you're going to do is change the way your spouse stumbles, but you don't change the fact that your spouse stumbles. Admitting it's difficult, it doesn't downgrade. I think it ennobles it. I've never met anybody happy who isn't also pursuing holy. Selfishness is, it's an ever-present demon in our marriages. You cannot be intimate with somebody you're lying to. Marriage is one of the best schools of personal transformation you could ever enroll in. Dear young married couple, you're in a busy season of your life. You're probably working and involved in ministry. On top of that, you might even be parents or students. You're maxed, but you really want to stay connected in your marriage. And that's why we're bringing this podcast to you. I'm Adam King. And I'm Carissa King. And we work with busy couples just like you in our counseling office here in Sacramento, California. We also work with couples all over the world through online counseling. And our couples are really just looking for ways to communicate with each other more effectively. Some of them are looking to heal from a breach in trust or find direction in fulfilling the purpose that God has for them. So come and join us as we have a conversation. We'll talk with therapists, authors, pastors, and other couples who will pour into us, giving us tools to become more intimately connected, get adventurous, and find purpose. Welcome to the Dear Young Married Couple podcast. Our guest today is Gary Thomas, who is a very well-known speaker and writer um, of many books that are on our shelves. And uh, you are in for a treat. Yes. We are asking this question today, and it comes from one of his books, actually. And that question is, what if marriage wasn't meant to make us happy? And he dives into the answer for that question so eloquently. And um, the book, uh, you'll hear a lot about it today, that's had a lot of impact on our life, our marriage, and our work with couples. It's called Sacred Marriage. Um, so just to give you a little bit of background about Dr. Gary Thomas, he holds a master's degree in systematic theology from Regent College in Vancouver and an honorary doctor of divinity degree from Western Seminary in Portland, Oregon. So listen in to this incredible episode. Welcome, Gary Thomas, to the podcast. We're so excited to have you on today. Well, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. It truly is an honor to have you on the podcast today. Um, we've been following your material and some of your thoughts for quite a while and definitely has slipped into some of our counseling. So, uh, yeah, we, we're really looking forward to this interview today. Yes. Um, so Gary, over the past two decades, it's become increasingly clear that the lens through which the world views marriage is, um, drastically different than the lens through which the church views marriage. And so, um, we want to ask you, how would you describe that difference? Well, the, in a funny way, I love what I heard, um, uh, my senior pastor say here in Texas, when he's describing, you have two people coming to view of marriage, fulfill me completely, make me happy. And he described that as having two ticks and no dog. (laughs) 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 And and it's a little bit of a folksy way to describe it, but I, I do think I see that marriage calls us to extraordinary sacrifice and self-emptying and giving we're making 
unbelievable promises until death do us part in sickness and in health for better, for worse. And I've, I've lived long enough to see what some of those vows entail. But most of us go into marriage thinking primarily about what we're getting Mm -hmm. and expecting that we'll always be able to get that. And I I just think if we're going to see a lifelong marriage that lasts, we need something more substantive, something more real to life. I, I think really what helped set sacred marriage apart when I wrote it in the year 2000, I was just a couple years past you guys marriage wise when sacred marriage came out. So mm-hmm. I was probably thinking about it at, at your time. And it was just realizing that even the best of marriages are difficult. And back then, most marriage books would have five principles of Jesus to make your marriage better, or you just follow mm-hmm. these right. biblical principles and everything. I thought, well, that's not in, entirely true. Well, yeah. I love marriage. Well, it's the richest relationship I've ever known. Well, if I had a hundred lives to live, I'd want to be married in every one. I don't think it's an easy relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think just admitting, hey, some things about marriage just are hard. Yes. Um, I think it just set some people free. And it's, it's kind of what led to sacred marriage taking off as it did. Ah, That's so neat. That is good. Why do you think marriage is hard? (laughs) Well, the Bible promises us it will be. James 3, 2 says we all stumble in many ways. (laughs) And I I would just ask the listeners, consider those words all and many. All means there isn't an exception. Nobody gets to marry the fourth member of the Trinity. And and then... (laughs) And James is clear that we stumble in many ways. Now, most listeners will know this. James was the brother of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Roman Catholics would suggest he was a cousin. At, at, at least he was a close relative. They obviously didn't have the same father. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Protestants believe he was raised by the same mother. Roman Catholics would say they at least mm-hmm. grew up as boys together. So okay. James was writing as one that the early church knew he didn't have to remind him who he was. His standing was because of his relationship to Jesus. So he said, look, I've lived with the perfect man. I I know moral perfection. And so if I compare myself to him, not to this husband or that husband or that husband, compared to him, he goes, look, the best of us on our best day stumble in many ways. And, And so I think his unique childhood, and I don't know it's more <laughs> unique than right. being the brother of Jesus Christ, just made him sensitive to how messed up everybody else is. Exactly. And, right. and wow. so if, if the Bible says I'm marrying somebody who stumbles in many ways, how is that supposed to be easy? And then occasionally we have sex and create little people who stumble in many ways. Right. So now you got a mom and a dad who stumble in many ways, kids who stumble in many ways, and we're surprised, oh, how come this isn't easy? Now, right. I, I realize, Adam, this has been controversial. In fact, um, there's one guy that was saying, you know, we don't want to stress this too much. It's just amazing to me how you go on a seesaw. I, I came out and said marriage is difficult because everybody was saying it should be easy. And then 15 years later, after the book comes out, well, we don't want to stress the difficulty too much because now everybody was talking about the difficulty. And so I actually did a debate. There's this natural, national ministry forum really? in, in the Dallas area. And this other guy had been, been chatting. And he's a good friend. I, I like him. We get along really well. 
and I knew it was coming up. So I did some research. I was doing a large marriage conference out in Idaho of all places, okay. but, but they had a thousand people there. Apparently there's not much else going on in Idaho. <laughs> so there were 500 couples. I had everybody stand up. I said, stay standing. If marriage proved to be, if your marriage proved to be easier than you thought it would be. Five couples were left standing. Wow. Now, out of 500. I'm, an, I'm an English major, but I can do that. Matt. That's 1%. But actually it was less than that because afterwards a couple, one of the couples came up and said, well, we have a confession to make. I said, <laughs> What's that? Well, we're one of the couples that stood up. I said, and we've only been married 10 days. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, They're still in the fatuation phase. Yeah. So I'm like, well, okay then. So it, it's, the thing is, I don't mind mentioning the difficulty because I think the best things in life are difficult. Yes. Playing an instrument is difficult. Becoming a professional counselor as Chris is on the way. I mean, they don't just hand that out. You got to really mm. work at it. Yeah. running a marathon, raising kids. I mean, look, the best things in life are difficult. Why do people yeah. cry as they cross the line of a marathon? Because mm -hmm. it was so hard to get there. Yeah. And so, I mean, admitting it's difficult doesn't downgrade. I think it ennobles it, that it's worthy of our sacrifice. But, but if we go in with that expectation, when the difficulty arises, this is the key. We're not thinking, did I marry the wrong person? It's okay. Now we're getting going. <laughs> this is what we heard about. It doesn't mean I'm in a bad marriage. It just means I'm in a marriage. Big difference. That's so good. So good. Because yeah. it really, well, we know that frustration is the result of unmet or uncommunicated expectations. Yes. yes. And if we go into marriage with the expectation of, oh, this is going to be simple. I married somebody that I'm, oh, I'm so compatible with this person. We just like everything and he's, he likes me the way I am. Mm -hmm. We have another thing coming, don't we? <laughs> well, you know, and, and a few couples get really lucky where they're extraordinarily compatible and whatnot. And then what I've often seen is that God sends them a particularly difficult child. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, God's going to grow us or they have yeah. a terrible boss. I have a tough and God's going to grow us. And yeah. often relationships are his tools to yeah. do that. And, and mm -hmm. so, look, I don't want to downgrade some. If a couple feels like it's been easier than usual, I'm going to say, thank God and, and sure. appreciate it. I mean, yeah. all in love with your spouse all over again saying, boy, everybody's saying is I, I, I don't I, I honor them. And I hope they, I hope they can really appreciate it. What mm -hmm. I'm doing is just trying to tell couples that are finding it more difficult than they thought not to freak out. Yeah. Because yeah. If, if, if marriage is one person who stumbles in many ways, getting together with another person who stumbles in many ways, yes. then if you marry someone else because you're frustrated with how your spouse stumbles, mm -hmm. are you, all you're going to do is change the way your spouse stumbles. Mm. but you don't change the fact that your spouse stumbles. Right. <laughs> if you believe scripture is inspired, you can't marry somebody who doesn't stumble in many ways. So yes. it's like you're just kind of choosing your blessings. And you're also choosing your, your poison, what you're going to put up with. Yeah. Ah, it's so good. And I love, I love that you used James a little bit ago. Um, yeah. What came to my mind when, when you were saying that is that, we know from scripture and uh, extra biblical sources that James wasn't a believer of Jesus until Jesus revealed himself right. 
to to James, uh-huh. which means it probably was hard to live with someone perfect. <laughs> no, <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine how like, frustrating it would be. <laughs> right. <laughs> would you quit it, Jesus? Like, really? <laughs> so, okay. So you, you talk about this concept in your work about how it's not an issue of falling out of love, um, but it's falling out of repentance. Yes, yes. Talk to us more about how you see that play out in the couples that you work with. Yeah, yeah. Um, infatuation is, a, I'm, and I'm sorry to blow the romance on this. Some people will hate me for this, but this is neuroscience. This isn't my opinion. It's just <laughs> neuroscience. Infatuation is a neurochemical response with a shelf life of about 12 to 18 months. And even then it's descending. If you look under a scope, I'm using Dr. Helen Brown and some other neuropsychologists that that have studied this. An infatuation at 14 months, for instance, is demonstrably different than infatuation at four months. So that's just um, the way it's going to happen. And and so, and you've got to remind me, Chris, of what I'm answering. I got into brain science. I (laughs) I love it. It's this concept of falling out of repentance rather than falling out of love. So the falling out of love will happen to a certain degree. That doesn't mean I don't still have intense feelings for my wife at times. Mm -hmm. I do 36 years in sometimes it's just, we can't wait to be together. It does mean that infatuation isn't the glue that holds our marriage together. Um, But what does cause couples to have a difficult time usually is, is a lack of repentance. We're not growing in righteousness. It's, it's my sins that, that do it. And mm-hmm. I, I, I wrote another book on the virtues called The Glorious Pursuit. And people look down on practicing the virtues. They say, well, that's works righteousness. I said, no, it's not. Practicing the virtues isn't about getting into heaven. It's about not making my wife's life feel like hell. Okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to go to hell if I'm not gentle right. or if I'm arrogant or if I'm not patient. But my wife's life is going to be demonstrably different. And so when I'm seeking first his righteousness, Matthew 633, I'm first Peter or second Peter one five, making every effort to add to my faith. And he mentions the virtues. What I'm really doing is becoming the kind of person that a woman wants to be married to through the years. And here's what I love about this. Don't worry about finding love. Worry about finding out of repentance. If you base your life and your love for each other on the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit grows. That's right. A person who's filled with the spirit, growing in righteousness, pursuing righteousness, will be kinder, more patient, Mm -hmm. humbler, and more gentle at year 20 of the marriage and year 30 of the marriage than they were at at day 10 and year two. And and so your, your love will deepen for them. Whereas infatuation goes the opposite direction. You you can't help it. It just will. Yeah. And admiration of the virtues can grow. And so um, I, I just think if, if people are growing in kindness and patience and humility, uh, those, those never get old. I, I never get over kindness. I, uh, you know, now that conferences have come back, we're traveling a little bit and we were Thank in you, North. Jesus. Yes. <laughs> we were in uh, Northwest Arkansas and I had a conference coming that day. And um, Lisa knew I wasn't feeling that well and was trying to get ready for the evening session. She went out, got me a chai from Starbucks and it already ironed my shirts. And 
I loved her so much. I mean, <laughs> it's it was it just those acts of kindness yes. renewed my affection for her all over again. Mm-hmm. And so what, with her, I have this goal where she never has to fill up her gas tank. Um, she, she's a very organic um, person where you know there's like mm-hmm. ten things. It has to be locally sourced, <laughs> non-GMO, locally. Farm. farm to fork. Yeah. Uh, 10 things. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the thought of a gas station, I mean, there's just nothing in it. She's like, and so I, yeah. I make a goal where she doesn't have to fill up her gas tank more than once a year. Um, but it's just, it's those kind of things when you're married 36 years that make us yeah. as excited about our marriage today as, as we've ever been. That's wow. right. And what year of your marriage did you discover or make that a goal to, to fill up her gas tank? Yeah. But that, that's Go been going on for a while. Uh, I forget where I really discovered. But I'd say it's been about a decade going on. Awesome. Um, so in other words, it took you it took you a while to sanctify yourself enough to re- realize. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I would always if I was driving, and and frankly, when we were a younger couple with kids, mm-hmm. um, I probably almost always filled up the gas tank because we would be driving with everybody together and I would see it was getting empty. It's when we became empty nesters that she has her car and I have mine. Uh, gotcha. That her car can get empty without me noticing. So, I mean, it's really been most of our marriage, mm-hmm. but it's just, it, it took me a while to catch up when yeah. the kids weren't there and I wasn't in her car as often and, and, and just had to do it. But look, I've got a better story. A friend of mine, he was at a Promise Keepers conference in the 90s. Are you guys okay. too young to remember those? I know they still do. <laughs> we know about Ooh, them, but yeah. yeah. That was a while they, back. Were, they were huge at that time. And they uh-huh. asked the guys to get up and they said, okay, we want you to choose one thing to do for your wife when you go back. So it's not okay. just about learning. Mm-hmm. Are you gonna put one guy said, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna install a program on my wife's computer that she's wanted. And the guy said, Well, I'm gonna wash her car and all that. And, and Kevin prayed about it. Finally, felt God asking him, what does Sherry hate to do more than anything else? And, oh, that's easy. She hates to make the bed. Okay, I got it. I'm going to make her bed for the next five days. And you know how God can just be silent? <laughs> He's saying, you don't get it yet. Uh-huh. And, and it, the conversation kind of went out that, that why not do it every day for the rest of your life and then pray for her? as you're doing it. And Kevin has been doing that now over 4,000 days in a row. He even uh-huh. makes the bed in a hotel. He's just used to it because it reminds him to to pray for it. And it was just his wow. decision. Uh-huh. I want to take one thing that my wife hates yeah. and make sure she never has to do it again. Every spouse listening to us could get their marriage mm-hmm. on a good course by saying, what's one thing that it's not that big a deal. I don't know freak out about filling up a gas tank um, mm-hmm. that I can just take off my spouse's shoulder and say, because you're married to me, you'll never have to do this again. Uh, so those nice. are the kinds of things that build a marriage, wow. not infatuation. That's so, so good. baby. What do you hate? <laughs> you hate yes. We're going to get this cashed in right now. <laughs> <laughs> Question for you, Gary. Um, when, you know, we hear this whole concept, especially in, post-modernity that, you know, you need to accept people as they are. How do we balance this concept of somewhat accepting our spouse as they are, but also challenging them to go through that process of sanctification and walking with them through that process? What does that balance look like, practically speaking? Well, what I'm doing 
my sacred marriage seminars, I take a little bit different take that I'm encouraging both spouses to not accept themselves as they are. Now, nice. like self-acceptance is a healthy thing to do. But what I mean is there are dozens of biblical passages that call us to grow. I mentioned Second Peter uh, 1.5, make every effort to add to your faith. One that I use in my seminars is 2 Corinthians 7.1, where Paul says, let us purify ourselves, ourselves, not our kids, not our spouses, not <laughs> drivers on I-10. He says, let us purify ourselves, catch this, from everything that contaminates body and spirit, mm -hmm. perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Yeah. Um, I could take him to Colossians 3. You must take off anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, and you must put on Colossians 3.12, kindness, compassion, gentleness, space. I don't want to sound like a concordance here, but no, we no, love it. So Give good. it all but, to us. It's but good. the whole point is that I, I'm, I'm accepted by God and I'm mm -hmm. affirmed by God, but I am called to grow and, and to purify myself from everything that contaminates body and spirit. So you might get to a point in your life where I'm not sinning in a way that would get me mentioned in the Houston Chronicle or Christianity Today. But, <laughs> but when he says from everything, body and spirit, uh -huh. yes. am I being selfish? Am I being prideful? Am I being impatient? Am I being irritable? Mm -hmm. and, and so it's um, seeing marriage as this mirror that I'm not who I thought I, I was. And I, I think I tell the story in Sacred Marriage about how, you know, I had this image of myself when I was in junior high. I was voted, you know, they have the Hall of Fame. Yeah. This yeah. is so famous, but I was voted most polite. <laughs> Every junior high boy's dream, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah, I nailed yeah. it. I, I knew it was the geeky, but it's, it's the image I had. I'm three or four kids. I, I don't want to be in charge. I have no aspirations to be a senior pastor or a boss. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's kind of how I had. And yet when I got married, I really, I have these routines and if, if they get cross, I'm, I'm not so polite. And one of them was, <laughs> I grew up in a family where you got out the ice cube. This is before there were ice cube makers. If you got okay. out an ice cube, you refilled the tray and put okay. it back in the freezer. So the next person would have a nice full tray of ice cubes. That's mm -hmm. very polite. Well, I'm convinced um, that's the <laughs> biblical way to handle yourself in the kitchen. Right? My wife grew up in a family, run those things down to an ice chip, right? And, <laughs> If there's something you could scrape off with a knife, you weren't morally obligated. Yes. So I, and I had a bad habit that my organic wife has completely cured me of. I had a daily Pepsi back in those days, um, <laughs> which she just can't stand, but it's, she's got me away from that. But um, <laughs> so I would pull it out and there'd be this little ice chip in there. And you know, if you've got a warm Pepsi, an ice chip lasts about half a second. And I, I couldn't explain to my wife how much of my joy and happiness depended on having this nice full tray of ice cubes. And so one night early on, she's talking romantically to me, saying, so like, Gary, I'm going to love you forever. And I saw my chance. <laughs> what an idiot I was. Um, I go, Lisa, I, I don't need you to love me forever. I need you to love me for seven seconds. And she said, just seven. What are you talking about? I said, I timed how long it takes to fill the ice cube trays <laughs> and to put them in the freezer. And gotcha. she thought I'd lost my mind. Yeah. But, but here's the thing, you guys. If I had ever thought as a single guy 
that I would risk a romantic moment. I might risk sex because we're fighting over ice cube trays. Mm. I mean, I would have thought you'd, lo I, you'd lost your mind. And that just wasn't me, that that, that could actually be an issue. But mm. marriage was this giant mirror showing me I'm not as healthy as I thought. I'm not as uh, Christ-like as I thought. Yeah. And I, I don't want to run from it, but I want to say, okay, I, I can mm. I can do better here. I can yeah. start to surrender to God's Holy Spirit, recognize there are plenty of areas where I need to grow, areas where I just don't think they would have been exposed with roommates because if I didn't get along with a roommate, you just get a different roommate right. the next full year. Um, yeah. right. There was no roommate for me anymore. It was a new Gary. Ah, oh, I love that. It's so good. Completely different focus. Yeah, I think, well, um, Sacred Marriage, the subtitle of the book, you know, what if marriage was to make us holy, I think it says. More than. More than happy. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that really, man, you, you couldn't have put a better question on the front of a book because just that alone has stuck with me mm -hmm. when we're arguing or I'm being petty <laughs> or, you know, want my own way. Boy, that question is a, is a check to say, okay, I need to maybe look internally and say, what is, what do I need to work on or change mm -hmm. to, to help my wife? Yeah. You know, help me help you. We'll be right back to the interview. But first, we wanted to share something that we are really excited about. So, you know, we all have those times where we don't feel super connected to our spouse and we really don't know what conversations to have to get us to that connected place. And then on top of that, we're so busy that we don't prioritize those conversations. And that's why we created the monthly live date night. And Monthly Live Date Night is every month on a Friday night for 90 minutes, 60 minutes. It, we focus on a topic that uh, you guys pick. And then 30 minutes, we do a QA and a and it's live where we're all together asking questions and giving answers on topics related to your marriage, your intimacy. And we share tools. Uh, we have handouts that we call homework because we want you to be there to listen and to soak in. But we really want you to take action in your marriage too. So come join us live for the next monthly live date night. Check the link in the show notes for dates and details. All right. Back to the interview. Yeah. And yeah. in the um, updated edition of Sacred Marriage, it's really fun when you get to update a book. Yeah. I, I added in a, a quote from John Wesley that I just love. To, to draw out this distinction that happiness and holiness aren't at war with each other. John Wesley said, I've never met anybody happy who isn't also pursuing holy. Mm. And I think just reflection makes that clear that yeah. an addict has moments of pleasure, but they're miserable. Yes. An, an angry man is not going to be happy because he's pushing his loved ones away. A critical negative woman is not a happy woman. She's never satisfied. And so, mm. Holiness is really the pursuing holy, we get happy. Right. It's pursuing happiness first that we usually miss out on both. And but if I if I could go back, Chris, I just would change one thing because I didn't fully answer your question on accepting someone as they are. Mm. In this context, if I'm making every effort to add to my faith, if I'm trying to purify myself from it, there may be times in marriage where I do believe it's appropriate. If, if a husband isn't acting well with the kids and the wife goes to him and says, look, honey, you know, I love you. I, I, I adore you, but you're my babe. But, you know, when you get a little bit too harsh with the, I'm afraid you're going to lose our daughter. Mm. You know, she just closes up. If mm. you, you might have to look about being a little more gentle if you want to have 
that relation. I think that's an appropriate conversation. And I think it's a good conversation because my wife isn't just my wife. She's my sister in Christ. And if she sees something where I'm pushing people away, uh, I I would rather she bring it up. I mean, I've dealt with couples where, frankly, some have lied. A guy was being a jerk at at a party. Another guy called him out on it. And so he asks her on the way home in the car, do you think I was being a jerk? And she goes, no, of course not. But inside, yeah, you really kind of were. Um, I, th- I think we need to have courage in marriage where if the relationship's in a healthy place, we're affirming each other, we're encouraging each other. They know yeah. we're there for them. There is a place to say, hey, this, this is one area where I think we can grow. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And I like the way that you approached that too. You kind of role-played and gave people an example of how to approach that conversation. Well, and I love how you also specify like if there's space, meaning that you've already created a positive environment. That's the space of not just positivity for the sake of positivity, but you are being Christ-like and working on yourself. You're not expecting the person to change everything. Mm Mm-hmm on a dime, but also doing it out of love. <laughs> right. And and choosing the occasion. Men, I, I don't want to get indelicate, but I know you talk to a lot of younger couples. Yes, Your wife do. gets a pass if it's a PMS week, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, Amen. I, I'm, I'm, it's, seriously, it's like what, what I tell couples, your spouse should be able to have a bad day. If it's a mm-hmm. tough time at work, if they're an accountant, and they're losing it the week before April 15th. That's not the time to say, I think you need to grow in patience. It's, <laughs> it's what can I take off your schedule? I know you're stressed. Yeah. Of course, you're lashing out. Let, let, that's what it means to be gentle and patient. Yeah. I, I'm and to have grace. About, yeah. I'm, I'm talking about patterns. Mm-hmm. It's not related to any hormonal thing. That's not related to a, a, a seasonal work thing. But yeah. you see a pattern that, that needs to be addressed. Because look. Yeah. If, if we all stumble in many ways, that means that I shouldn't try to fix my wife every time she stumbles. She's not going to become perfect. There's some things it's like, uh, okay, it's, she's not going to be as on time as I am. You know, <laughs> right. I, I, that's going to be devastating for some people to hear, but there's some things about marriage that just don't change. Yeah. And when we had small kids and I would travel to events on my own, I don't think I was ever late to an event. Wow. Um, with Lisa, I'm usually not exact. Yeah, but 50-50. Now, it doesn't make me late. So it's like they want me to be there an hour before and we show up 10 minutes, 15 minutes. So she would never make me actually late, but gotcha. in my mind. Yeah, later yes. than you had intended to be. But I realized, okay, we can fight about this and I can go to this marriage conference fuming at my wife, <laughs> filled with bitterness and resentment. <laughs> Or I could recognize, okay, Gary, this is how she stumbles, mm. all right? But there are so many other things that you can define her by. She got you your chai and she ironed your shirts before you wow. went out. You said do that yourself. So it's, it's, it's that kind of thing where, Chris, I think we want to, I, I was, I was so convicted by God one time because I was praying mm. something about Lisa and I felt like God was challenging me, uh, starting to try to turn Lisa into a love Gary like he wants to be loved machine. which is so horrendously narcissistic. But I think that monster is within all of us. I mean, Uh think about it. You go back over your marital conversations. I think most of the listeners would admit, yeah, sometimes I kind of want, I just kind of want to turn them into this. And and the five love languages, I love the book. I 
Mm-hmm. Big fan of Gary Chapman. Yeah. When I use it to learn how to love my wife, yes. when I use it to club my spouse for not loving me that way, that's not mm-hmm. how Gary wrote it. It's not the intent. Right. But you can take a lot of good marriage books and turn it around. Yeah. And, and we want to be careful that it isn't about, oh, love me like I want to be loved. It's how do I love you? How do I affirm so you? How do I encourage you? How do I release yeah. you to be the woman God created you to be? Mm. Uh, selfishness is, it's an ever-present demon in our marriages. Yes. Oh. So good. Absolutely. Yeah. I love the analogy of turning marriage books into clubs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, you say um, in Sacred Marriage, I think, about how we all want to be known, um, but we're afraid. Uh, We ask all those what if questions. You know, if you see the real me, what if you, you know, what if you see how, what scares me, what repulses me? And so we end up hiding. Yes. Um, If someone is struggling with sharing that real, raw version of themselves and being vulnerable and letting their spouse know about their fears and their dreams and their desires... Um, how would you guide them in starting that process of opening up? By, Krista, by painting a picture of the benefit of doing that. I'm, I grew up a pretty insecure person. I think being three or four kids would explain why. I just look okay. at that family map and there's always somebody better, stronger, wiser ahead of me. Mm. Um, and I think one of the most healing things for me about marriage is that my wife literally knows me better than anyone ever has or ever will. And she still likes me and Mm -hmm. she still respects me. And if I was hiding my, it would be terrifying because then it's, well, she finds out who I really am. She won't like me anymore. She won't respect me anymore. I'm going to double down. That kills intimacy. I'm going to say this clearly so the couples get it. You cannot be intimate with somebody you're lying to. It's impossible. Intimacy, by definition, is being fully known and fully accepted. Your spouse can't accept someone they don't know. It's it's, it's, it's just not possible. Mm -hmm. And and the, the, the healing the restfulness, the the peace of of being fully known and still fully accepted and loved will do wonders. So yeah, it's terrifying, Mm -hmm. but the payoffs I think are huge for most of us because it's so exhausting trying to lie. I, some of these things I just don't, I have this story in one of my talks on sex about, um, handing my phone over to my wife because we were on a trail. She didn't have a phone with her. I wanted her to take mine. And Mm -hmm. it actually triggered a wife because her husband had been a porn addict and he would never let her have his phone alone or know the password. I I, I didn't know that was a thing. It didn't occur to me until she said that's why that story triggers her, a a husband handing his phone over to his wife. Mm -hmm. But then I've heard other guys say, I mean, they're terrified of, oh no, where did I leave my iPad? Or did I shut this down? And I just thought, there's no peace in life. There's no joy in life yeah. if you live with the fear of being found out. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And and here's here's what's so devastating to a marriage: you're going to start resent resenting your spouse's presence because they might find you out. Yes. And and so you can't get close to somebody that you resent. Mm-hmm. You, you can't be intimate with somebody that you're you're lying to. And so my yeah. thought really is. 
Look, if you're going to be married with all the duties and responsibilities, be married. Mm -hmm. <laughs> don't, don't be half married. I'm, I'm going to let you have this part of me, but not that part of me. Right. Uh, because marriage asks too much of us mm -hmm. not to get all the benefits. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the benefits is really that intimacy and, and being known. And yes. lying and secrets are, are there. Now, since I know we're talking to a wide group of people, let me give one caveat. Yeah. If you're going to share something with your spouse that you know could be devastating, and I would throw porn use in there, yeah, I would urge people to go to a licensed counselor, figure out what to share, how much to share, and when to share, mm -hmm. um, because these disclosures, while long-term can lead to intimacy, if they're mm -hmm. not done in the right way, a lot of healing needs to be done before you Absolutely. can start to build Yes. intimacy again so if yeah. there's been a past affair mm -hmm. or something serious that you know your husband or your wife is really going to freak out about mm -hmm. um be wise with yeah. don't listen to this podcast turn it off and go <laughs> here's everything your, here's the yes. secret yeah yeah, yeah. that's yeah. that's wisdom right there that is so wise yeah. but on the on the things that maybe aren't porn how would you or you know aren't in, of a that nature, trust, right? A yeah. breach in trust. How would you go about recommending, or maybe how? What is the? What are the best ways, like practically, that you found for becoming vulnerable to your wife? Like, how did you do it, or find the way to do that? Well, it, it, you know, I mentioned my wife being so organic, um, and she may be the healthiest eater in the world. Uh, wow. <laughs> she gets she gets asked a lot about how is it being married to Gary he writes these books on marriage. He's always said, well, I couldn't stand it if I don't feel like he lives it, but I know he lives it. And yep. so I, I can sit here and listen to his conference and feel good. But there's one book she thinks I could do much better at living. And it's my book called Everybody Matters. Okay. It's about how um, physical body care is an aspect of discipleship, the way we eat, the way we exercise. Because uh. I think I eat probably better than 80% of guys. But when you're married to the healthiest eater <laughs> on the planet, that's that's way too little. Um, yes. And so I'll be honest, Adam, my temptation is uh, if I'm going to sit in a different row with on a plane because we're too filled, am I more likely to buy that bag of Doritos that I would never eat in front of my wife? Mm. Uh, I know that seems silly, but I, I feel that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and so um, it's like, okay, I'm not going to hide from her because hiding from her is lying mm. to her. Yeah. And, and lying leads to a lot of plays. Often you don't stop lying. Once you start lying to maintain intimacy, here's the thing. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, truth. and yeah. the life. So truth invites Jesus into your marriage. Yes. In the same sermon just about Jesus said of Satan, he's the liar and the father of lies. Mm -hmm. So to try to keep your marriage together through deception is to invite Satan into your marriage. Woo! So mm. are, are you going to base your marriage on Jesus or Satan? And mm. and so it's um and and sometimes it's it's reversed where women are hiding food from their husband. Well, right. he's gonna lose his yeah. and and I just say, you know what? Um you're gonna see me and I'm I'm not gonna lie from you. I want you to see who I am. And we can deal with this in a healthy way, but I'm going to eat this candy bar. I'm going to, you know, <laughs> but, but not, yeah. um, but not lying to each other about yeah. it. And, and I'm, yeah. I'm not going to act like I have cornered the market on that, 
Um, but I'm, I'm really trying to make sure yeah. I'm not doing that. Beautiful. Yeah. We are going to be wrapping up the podcast. And so we have a couple of things that we like to um, check in with our podcast guests about before we close. Um, one of those is book recommendations. And of course, since you're an author, we'd like to start with your book recommendations. You have a whole bunch of really good books. And so before we ask you your book recommendations, we just want to um, share this quote that came out of Sacred Marriage, um, which is um, our favorite book of yours. And we'll be linking that book in the show notes um, because we want people to get an idea of what the book is about. So here's a, a quote from the book. You say this. The key question is this, will we approach marriage from a God-centered view or a man-centered view? In a man-centered view, we will maintain our marriage as long as our earthly comforts, desires, and expectations are met. In a God-centered view, we preserve our marriage because it brings glory to God and points a sinful world to a reconciling creator. Wow. It's just so powerful. Um, so we recommend Sacred Marriage. So much from that book has impacted our own marriage and our work that we do with couples. What are some other books that you can add to the list? And we will link them in our show notes. Uh, marriage or not. Okay. No, no, no. I, I'm asking. Oh, marriage <laughs> I was like, I've never heard of this one. <laughs> Both. Like, Both. Any books that you would recommend? Uh, well, if there are couples going through particularly difficult times, one of the best okay. books on marriage that I've read recently was Jeff and Sarah Walton's together through the storms. Mm, okay. Meditations on the book of Job, but related to marriage, how they've gone through health crises, financial crises, wow. issues with raising their kids, but how they stay together through the storms. Okay. It's it, in a devotional style. So shorter chapters. Okay. Uh, I thought it was a wonderful book. Hey, we'll check awesome. that out. Um, for sure. Um. Books that aren't necessarily related to marriage. We've talked a lot about spiritual growth. I think one of the best books on sanctification is N.T. Wright's After You Believe. Mm, okay. uh, it's a little bit academic, but I, I just think it's solid for a vision of how we need to grow uh, once we've become. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. Great. We will link those two for sure. Um, share with us more of your books yes. that our audience can. Um, and I know you've already, out. we already talked about, well, before we turned everything on was uh, the meaning of marriage. Yes. By Tim, Tim Keller. Keller. Tim Keller. Keller. Yes. Yes. Um, for sure. So uh, my own books, well, the books on marriage, we've got sacred marriage, which started it off. And then the second book is actually one has just been revised and updated is a lifelong love. Mm. And the subtitle of that is how, Discovering how intimacy with God breathes passion into your marriage. Okay. And so it, it's really more of how I've always looked at sacred marriage as almost a spiritual formation book, uh -huh. how God uses your marriage to help yeah. you grow. Lifelong love is more of a traditional marriage book, but the, how spiritual intimacy really does breathe passion back into your marriage. And then the other book that's really becoming more and more known is cherish the one word that changes everything for your marriage. Mm. And that's just how the whole, where I was challenged a few years back, not just to focus on loving my wife, but as I promised to love and to cherish until death, we do part. What does cherish mean? How it raised the bar and how I think it took an already pretty good marriage and took it to an entirely um, different level. Um, and mm. so that's, um, I mean, that's, that's done really well. I've just had wow. great feedback on how people good. said it changed their view. 
of marriage. Awesome. So yes. you want to face the difficulties of marriage, go back into sacred marriage. If mm-hmm. you say, how do I have this really happy marriage? You look at Cherish. Okay. okay. Perfect. Share with us, if this is okay, maybe the new book that's coming out soon. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm co-writing a book with another author named Deborah Faleda. She's a 30-something licensed counselor. The book is called Married Sex, A Christian Couple's Guide to Re- Reimagining Your Love Life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I believe it is. And our vision was just to create a, a book for evangelical Christian couples on sex. So we've got psychology and theology. We've got practical helps. We've got so many inspiring and funny stories from married couples. Um, awesome. we, we did this private Facebook group and, and Deborah has her whole licensing practice. I've been a pastor. We have a lot of friends mm-hmm. just to, to sort of with practical tips what what does the Bible have to say about it? What are some tips? Uh, wives, how can you understand your husband sexually? Husbands, how do you understand your wives? Um, I've got a, a chapter on in Getty sex, the the role of sex and taking us through life, the five senses of sex. We we nice. think some new ground that, yes. that we're pretty excited about. And then, you know, the questions that people ask about it. So we've got the counselor, the pastor, we've got somebody who's been married mm-hmm. for 15 years and somebody who's been married for 36. So we're kind of coming at it from, from both yes. ends. Oh, so cool. Um, Fantastic. The, the funniest anecdote, <laughs> uh, Deborah and her husband thought they were done having children and all of this talk and writing about sex during COVID made them get closer than six feet apart. And they had a <laughs> married sex baby. I, I just about died oh, laughing because they were not going to believe what happened. And I said, no, I go, was the book inspiration? She says, of course it was. She goes, we're writing about it. We're talking to couples. And so look, at least one beautiful <laughs> outcome. Egyptian baby so has been born. Both Deborah and her husband are actually Egyptian. And so, um, <laughs> It, it's kind of fun, but it, it, it that was fun that I went through it. And of course, Lisa and I are way past the stage of that. So um, it was just really a, a book that Christian couples could say that husbands and wives will both enjoy. Small groups could do it. It gives both sides. We want awesome. the wives to be heard and the husbands to be heard. It's really yeah. hard to have both of those uh-huh. um, to be uh, helpful and practical yeah. and, and to cause people, look, not to give, just because we found when a couple is connecting well sexually, um, the whole relationship is different mm-hmm. in, a, in a good way. Yes. Yeah. And by sexual, I also mean sensually and sexually. It's possible. Yeah, I've, I've talked with a couple recently that had an affair where they often say, because they've worked with other couples, where the couple says our relational intimacy has died and our emotional intimacy has died, sensual intimacy, but the sex is still off the charts. But it's a different kind of sex. Mm. It's not a sensual sex where you're looking into each other's eyes or you're kissing or really connecting. It's more of this athletic kind. And there's a place for athletic sex, but you you need that. So it's Mm -hmm. um, really helping couples to understand, don't let this die. All right. Uh, It's different. Sex is different when the sexual chemistry is high and you just start becoming sexual. It's, it's a challenge when you're going through the childbearing years and then you have the teenage years when they're up later than you do and have a bedroom right next door to yours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the older years when you have age-related issues and medical issues and whatnot. But it's worth investing in and we would love to talk with you guys again. Yes, yes. absolutely. Please. When that book comes back out. 
Oh, they, for they, sure. They can look at it. It's on pre-order now. It's Married okay. to Sex okay. by Gary Thomas and Deborah Falada. Okay. Perfect. Well, we'll link that in the show notes too, so people can pre-order that. Awesome. Where would they go to pre-order that? Well, just anywhere that Amazon and Christian Books both okay. are pre-ordering now. Okay. Perfect. I think Great. Barnes and Noble as well. Super. Okay. Um, also, you didn't mention this one, but we are, we've gotten a lot out of this book, um, Loving Him Well, which is yes. Sacred Influence. Yeah. And um, it was rebranded and rewritten, rewritten and added to as Loving Him Well. Yes. Fantastic book for women who right. are trying to figure out how do I influence my husband? How do I love him well? Um, so very practical advice. Thank you for that, Krista. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Must be great to forget which books you've written. Well, <laughs> like, I, oh, yeah, I haven't forget, one. but I don't want to sound like I'm doing a 30 minute commercial here. I, well, you have so hey, many. it's not a commercial if we're asking for it. Like, That's yeah. right. This is good stuff. Uh, the last thing we like to do, Gary, before we close out is um, to ask you to rewind to the first couple years of your marriage and fill in the blank with advice that you wish you would have received. And you'll just say, dear young married couple. Yeah. Well, I would, I would say, dear young married couple, even the best of marriages are difficult, but God can do wonderful things through a difficult challenge. Dear young married couple, I think marriage is one of the best schools of personal transformation you could ever enroll in. Mm -hmm. If you let marriage change you as much as you want to change your spouse, I think you're going to grow up to be much happier. And then the third thing, dear young married couples, when you see that marriage can be an act of worship and you connect your worship with God and loving your spouse, it takes on a whole new meaning. Mm -hmm. It draws you closer to God and closer to each other. And I believe in the end will actually make you much happier. Oh, yes. so good. You've heard it, folks. Thank you so much, Gary, for taking the time, investing in us and our audience and sharing all these amazing resources and all the study yeah. that you've done that we get to benefit from. We can hear both that study that you've done and the anointing that you have Ooh, coming okay. through in the way that you share and minister. So thank well, you. I, look, I've become increasingly grateful for people like you and readers that make this life possible, that I get to study and pray and read mm. and think because if people weren't buying the books, you know, yeah. Uh, that wouldn't have happened. So I don't take it for granted. And I'm very Aww. grateful and appreciate this opportunity. Oh, thank you. We'll look forward to having you on again to talk about your new book this fall. Thank you. Thanks, Gary. All right, friends. We really hope that you got a ton out of today's conversation. And if you want help, if you want personal guidance with individual counseling or couples counseling, or even help with you as a couple reaching the goals you have, just reach out. Give us a call at 916-678-1797 or shoot us an email at hello at dearyoungmarriedcouple.com. No matter where you are in the world or in your marriage, we can set up a counseling session with you and we can work toward progress. We also post marriage advice regularly on our Instagram, which is at dearyoungmarriedcouple. And we'd love for you to join us in conversation there. All right. See you next week.